We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. What's up, friends? Welcome back to another episode of the Pack a Day podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. Thanks so much for being here today. We are going to be going over Quentin Johnston, the wide receiver out of TCU. Very fun prospect. Before we get into him, I just want to say really quick, I get um, that when we go over all these different prospects, Paris Johnson Jr., Jalen Hyatt, Quentin Johnston, we'll be going over quite a few others, Jackson Smith and Jigba. I've seen some of the comments where it's like, well, that player is going to be gone or you know, that player is going to go way behind where Green Bay is picking and those sort of things. Let me just say, we ultimately have no idea where Green Bay will end up picking in this draft. We also don't know where players could potentially fall to. You know, we are a few years removed from people saying that, you know, DK Metcalf was going to be taken in the first 12, 15 picks of the draft and he goes at the end of round two. So we never quite know exactly when a player might fall. We don't know if Green Bay will move up aggressively in a draft. They may end up with pick 13, even if it's swapping from 15. They could easily move down from 15. They could have potentially two or three early second round picks, depending on how the Aaron Rodgers trade. Uh, you know, sort of, you know, 
how the the compensation ultimately ends up, we could see Green Bay move that second round pick up into the first. We could see Green Bay pick from a variety of different slots in this draft. So even if you're thinking, all right, the this is a specific player who's going to be taken in the 20s and Green Bay picks at 15 and then not again until the 40s, there could be easily a lot of movement from Brian Gutekinds in this draft, especially if he's armed with multiple more picks in that Aaron Rodgers trade. So again, we never quite know who's going to be available, where they might end up being selected, where Green Bay ends up selecting. All of those things are variable. So that's why I try to go over a variety of different players that could be taken in a variety of different spots in the draft. And ultimately, hopefully, uh, we ultimately hit on a couple that will be selected by Green Bay in some capacity. And of course, even if we don't, we'll be going down all of the Packers draft picks in great, great detail once they are selected. So without further ado, that brings me to Quentin Johnston today, who, as I mentioned, is a very fun wide receiver, 6'3", 208-pound junior wide receiver out of TCU, only 21 years old right now, will turn 22 in September. So as the season kicks off, he'll be turning 22 years of age, same as Jalen Hyatt. And you're talking about a potentially freak athlete that could really add to any wide receiver core in the NFL, including Green Bay's. As far as what type of freak athlete he is, as of right now, it's an unofficial RAS, but he has a 9.60 unofficial RAS uh, score. He did not complete the bench press and he did not complete a short shuttle. We also do not know his official 40 yard dash or his three cone. Those are unofficial scores as of right now, as I'm recording this right now. So that being said, we have some information and based on that information, he's testing in the 96th percentile for wide receivers. Regardless of what those unofficial official times come back with, we know he is a high-end athlete and we'll get into more on that in just a moment. We do know he tested in the 84th percentile for height, 77th percentile for weight, 97th percentile with his vertical jump, which is an official score, 99% in his broad jump, which is an official score. If his 40 stands, uh, it would be in the 80th percentile. And the three cone, a 7.15 unofficial three cone, that would only be in the 35th percentile for his three cone. And this matches exactly what we see on tape. We see height, weight, speed, we don't necessarily always see the agility. You want to talk about Jackson Smith and Jigba and his ability to get in and out of his breaks. We don't always see that from Quentin Johnston. This is vertical speed, height, weight, speed, go up and get the ball, do those sort of things. Not necessarily the route running, the jukes, the you know ability to cut on a dime and change directions. That's not Quentin Johnston's game. So you're not expecting him to test really well in those agility drills. Now, that being said, Green Bay does usually very much value those agility drills. And if the, the 7.153 cone is his official score, that could be something that maybe doesn't eliminate him from Green Bay's you know draft board or the conversations. It would definitely knock him down because as we have seen in the past, the three cone and the agility scores are something that Green Bay very much values. From a statistical standpoint, the thing you love to see is that he got better year after year. In 2020, he had 22 catches for 487 yards and two touchdowns. In 2021, he had 33 catches for 612 yards. 612 yards and 33 catches is pretty pretty darn good with six touchdowns. And then in 2022, he had 60 catches for 1,069 yards and six touchdowns. So again, better year over year over year. And you love to see that improvement. From a PFF standpoint, in 2020, they gave him a 71.3 grade on 233 snaps. 
In 2021, they give him a 76.0 grade on 447 snaps. And then in 2022, he had a 76.2 grade on 684 snaps. His grading was a bit more... um, Disjointed is probably what I would say, where you would see a couple really, really high end scores, but a lot of scores in like the 50s and 60s, and maybe a 70 here and there. So you wouldn't see this like consistent high end play from Quentin Johnson, according to PFF's grades. You would see a couple really big spikes, and then kind of some just inconsistent, rather meh play through the the rest of the season, specifically in 2022. As far, far as where he took those snaps, 89% of his snaps were on the outside, 11% of his snaps were in the slot. And I just want to touch base on that very, very quickly. It is generally, not always, but it is generally easier to find slot wide receivers than it is to find wide receivers who can consistently win on the outside. It's why sometimes you will see really good slot wide receivers, not the best of the best. We've seen, yeah, I think Jackson Smith and Jigba is probably going to go very early in this draft. Those are high end, you know, slot wide receivers who I think are some teams are probably going to project can play on the outside as well. But your specific slot wide receivers, Elijah Moore's, your Amari Rogers, those type of players. A lot of times, even Devin Duvernay was taken in the third round. Guys that project to be primary slot receivers sometimes get bumped down because you can usually find slot wide receivers and and or you can take your inside wide receivers and move them to the inside. That is an easier thing to do than a lot of times take some of your undersized wide receivers or your specific slot receivers and try to move them to the outside. So if you have wide receivers that are really good that can consistently win on the outside, their value tends to go up just because those type of players are harder to find. So yes, you could look at a slot wide receiver. You could look at a Zay Flowers in comparison to a Quentin Johnston. And you could say Zay Flowers is the way better wide receiver. That might be true. And Zay can play on the outside too. Those are all different conversations. But if there's a wide receiver that's specifically a slot, sometimes that will decrease their value. And wide receivers that are primary outside guys, if they're really good, that's going to add to their value as well. So you have to weigh all of that out in that conversation. Let's jump in then into his specific scouting report, what I saw on his all 22 tape. And let's start with the positives first. The biggest positive, and as I mentioned, this is a high-end height, weight, speed prospect at wide receiver. You've got the high-end height, you've got 200 plus pounds, you've got 4440 speed, and when you put all of that into one package, those are your high-end wide receivers. It doesn't mean that they all necessarily always work out, but those are your that's your prototypical guy on the outside. That your guy that can go up and sky and get the ball, that has the size and the length to high point the ball, but also to short sort of shield off smaller corners. The guy that can still run past people, the guy that can run after the catch. Those are wide receivers that can win at a very high level in the NFL. We talk about the eye test, first guy off the bus, lining up on the fence at recess, however you want to view it. This is one of those high-end athletes where you just look at him and you're like, yeah, want that guy on my team. And that's a lot of times. Now we talked about the, the three cone, the agility testing, something that Green Bay values a lot, but we can talk about the high-end athleticism, the height, weight, speed, high-end prospects. Green Bay does value that quite a bit as well. And the fact that he can win on the outside is a major advantage to him. So a big time height, weight, speed prospect on the outside. He has the long strides to erase corners. You know, you will see, you know, these wide receivers who are quick, 
They've got the choppy steps, but a lot of times they struggle to separate. You can see Johnston have those beautiful, you know, strides down the field, and he can erase defenders in a hurry because of that, because he can make up a lot of ground in a short period of time. You go throw him a deep ball down the field, and it doesn't look like he's going to be able to get to the ball. And all of a sudden, those long strides make up a lot of ground in a very short period of time, and he's there making a play on the ball. The other thing that I really love from his game is that he accelerates through the catch point. So this is again, tracking the ball, making the catch, and then continuing down the field. But it's that ability to stay at top end speed while he makes the catch and while he can continue down the field. It doesn't matter if you have 4-4-40 speed, if you can't play with 4-4-40 speed. And he can play with 4-4-40 speed. He can get open, he can use those long strides, and then he can accelerate through the catch, make the catch while he's still running that 4-4-40, and then continue with that speed down the field. That's how you will see him get a lot of these big explosive plays in college, and that should be able to continue in his time in the NFL, if not even get better, as he continues to become a more well-rounded wide receiver. And then as not only just through the catch, but he has speed after the catch as well. We saw a lot of drag routes, a lot of quick passing plays at TCU, and he shows the ability to run after the catch, make plays with his feet. And this is not just your normal lumbering 6'4 wide receiver that's a possession, just a possession guy. You can get it to him on some of those gadget plays. You can get it to him. You can scheme him open. And he has the ability to run after the catch and not just with speed after the catch. Even though he's not that quick change of direction guy, he puts a couple moves together that makes people miss. He runs through contact. He's got good strength. Those are all the things that you want from your wide receiver. Get the ball in his hands. All right. He can speed past people. He can power through people. He can make people miss. All right. He can run through the catch point. You can get it to him deep. There's just a lot of ways that he can win. And the more that you can do for an NFL offense, the more value that you're going to have. Again, especially if you're an outside wide receiver. As I mentioned, he will show some shiftiness after the catch. It's not like we're talking about Tyree Kill here where he's just going to you know, put people on ice skates and they're going to be falling over or anything like that. But quick move here or there to get a little bit of separation and then uses that 4-4-40 speed to get up the field. That's exactly what you want to see from a player with a size. And again, he can run through some tackles as well. And running through contact is a big piece of his game. He can go up and get the ball using that size. I wouldn't say... He's like, uh, I, I don't know, like you're your Randy Moss. He's not going up and mossing people consistently. But when you have his 6'3 size and you've got a long wingspan and you have his athleticism, we, we talked about the vertical jump and the broad jumping and the high 90th percentiles, like he's going to be able to use those traits to his, you know, to his benefit. And you talk about uh, a jump ball. And I think that this is going to be something that it actually improves in the NFL because he's going to have more accurate passers in the NFL. And those passers are going to give him accurate deep balls to go up and get, go up and high point. And I think against even some like 6-1 corners, I think even they are going to have a little bit of trouble against Quentin Johnson. So his ability to go up, shield off defenders, pick up uh, you know big gains on jump balls. I think that's going to be a potential key part of his game as well. Something he needs to continue to develop. We'll go over why in just a moment, but that is going to be something that he continue to learn that he continues to learn and can, like I said, I think be a big part of his game, especially more at the NFL level. You will see him use multiple releases and he will show some route running potential. We're going to talk about the issues with his route running in just a moment, but there will be a route here or there where you're like, hey, that's it. That's it. That's exactly what you need to do. And I think I think sometimes we can get caught up in like watching and saying what they can't do. 
And I know that most scouts will say, and, and most GMs want to know what they can do, but sometimes I just want to see and visualize on tape. All right. If he, if he does learn the trait, what does that look like? And we saw there would be, a, like I said, a route here or there where he's able to cut it off quickly, where he uses a little bit more route running prowess and you see it. And it's not something that you just have to project. You can see it on tape from time to time. And if he does get that route running down, you can see the type of playmaker and special wide receiver that he has the ability to become. So it is not there yet. But the fact that we can at least see a flash here or there out of his route running gives you like reason to think that that can be something that he continues to improve on. And we don't just have to visualize it or think what it might be. We can actually see it from time to time on tape. Uh, as I mentioned, he has that huge size, so he gives the quarterback a very nice target and catch radius. If you're Jordan Love, first time starting quarterback, having somebody that can go up and get the ball that can be a little bit more of a security blanket that if things break down and it's a big third down, hey, you know what? Let me throw it to my 6'3 guy and see if he can just go up and get it. Like it, There is just a, a nice aspect that he could bring to a first-year starter with that you know, jump ball, shielding off, and you know, catch radius, all of it. Just it gives quarterbacks a little bit more confidence to throw you the ball, especially in some of those tough situations. Maybe you're blitzed or pressured on a key down, and you gotta you know find a way to convert. Like I said, just throw it to your six three guy who can go up and get it. Gives you a different option in that regard that Green Bay doesn't have at the moment. And then last but not least, we're gonna go over some of his negatives in just a moment. We're gonna go over some of his you know the floor that he has as a player. I'll be totally transparent right now. He's not my ideal cup of tea at wide receiver, not the guy that I'm certainly going to be hoping for at pick 15. The thing that I will tell you, if like if Green Bay ends up with him, wherever they would end up drafting him, whatever team ends up drafting him, I find it hard to believe. I find it incredibly hard to believe that there isn't an offense in the NFL right now that if you add Quentin Johnston to their offense, that you're not going to be able to find a way to make him extremely useful in some way. He might not ever become DeAndre Hopkins. He might not ever become a top tier wide receiver. He might not ultimately end, even end up being a top 25 number one wide receiver. I would be pretty darn shocked if he doesn't ultimately become at least a good wide receiver and a wide receiver that can help you in a variety of different ways. I think he could end up being a 45, 50 catch wide receiver for 750 yards and four or five touchdowns. I think that's realistic. And you don't want to spend a first or maybe even a top second round pick on that type of production at wide receiver. If you're picking him early, you want the big time boom. You want the big time home run prospect. But I, I do think his floor is higher than maybe most will say. I'm even going to go over some, some lower floors in, in, in just a moment, but the more and more I watch him, the more I just think, man, how, how could you not find a way to utilize that guy in your offense? He's way, way, way too talented. And yeah, there's a couple things in his game, his route running and some of the other things we're going to go over in just a moment that are holding him back from being a better wide receiver. But you talk about, again, 6'3", 200 plus pounds, 4'4", 40 speed with playmaking ability, run after the catch, break tackles, all that, like there's just too much meat on that bone. I have a hard time believing that he's just ultimately going to bust at wide receiver. There's going to be a variety of uses for him in the NFL. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, negatives. First of all, his route running is choppy and it's inconsistent. As mentioned earlier, there will be a route here or there where you see him put it together and you get really excited. But more often than not, it's just him being a freak athlete. It's not the advanced route running. You'll see him put together a nice release at the line of scrimmage, but you see him get a little bit slow out of his breaks. You don't see him stack wide receivers at the top of the route. Like there's just so much that he needs to work on from a nuance and an artistry factor at the wide receiver position. It is a skill position. It is not just a, hey, let's put a you know, six, six, whatever. Like you can't just put whoever out there at some point you do have to go out and really learn how to play the position at a high level or corners in the NFL are going to find ways to shut you down. So it's great that he has the height. It's great that he has weight. It's great that he has speed. It's great that he looks the part. It's great that he's this ideal prospect potentially, but if you can't go out and play wide receiver at the level that it needs to be played at, you're just always going to be a little bit behind the eight ball and you're never going to reach your potential. So he has to get better as a route runner. The choppiness, the inconsistencies is not stacking corners at the top. All of those things need to get better and they need to get better quicker if he wants to win sooner rather than later in the NFL. Next up is his hands. You will see some drops. He's only had 13 drops in college per PFF, but eight this past season. And it's more like he's fighting his hands at times. Contested catches, a big issue with him as well. And if you're you're going to be a jump ball wide receiver, if you're going to be a possession wide receiver, if you're going to be the guy that is trusted to come down with some of those catches in those big moments, you don't want a wide receiver that's fighting his hands. And that's another issue here too, right? If, If you're talking about these high-end freak athletes at wide receiver. Those are good attributes to have, but you want to see the skills. You want to see the route running. You want to see the ability to go up and make contested catches. And you want to see him have great hands and just pluck the ball out of the air. And that's not Quentin Johnston. He fights the ball a little bit too much. It's going to bounce off of his hands from time to time. There's going to be some concentration drops and those things are going to be frustrating and something that he needs to continue to work on and try to find a way to excel at in the NFL. He played at a simplified offense at TCU. It's going to be a change of pace for him to learn an NFL offense, especially one like Matt LaFleur's, where it is a very tough position to learn for younger wide receivers. It takes some time and it's going to be, there, there would be a learning curve there in Green Bay if that were to be the selection that they would ultimately make. 
Ideally, you would have seen a bit more production. TCU's passing offense was very prolific a season ago, and he only had six of those touchdown catches. So you would have liked to have seen that production be a little bit more. Yes, he had a thousand yards, but I would have liked to see him more at like seven, uh, 70 plus catches. I would have liked to see him more in like the 13, 1400 yard range. I would have liked to see him at double digit touchdowns. This is a high end prospect in a big 12 where the defenses sometimes seem optional. I would have liked to have seen a bit more production, even though we did see his production grow year after year. I do think he's a bit inconsistent against press coverage. You will see him use his size and his speed to his advantage, but with those long strides and with a little bit of a slower get up time, you will see corners get their hands on him, press him at the line of scrimmage, slow him down and make him much more coverable. The other thing I want to mention here, we never scout the helmet. We never scout the conference. We scout the player. We are simply looking at what this player is going to bring to your team. All of that being said, we are we are at a point now where you have to be cautious with Big 12 wide receivers. It's not to say they're all bad, but there have been enough real big time busts, just flat out busts from the Big 12 at wide receiver that you at least have to spend a bit more time thinking, all right, is this fool's gold like all of those other Big 12 wide receivers were, or is this the real thing this time? You scout the player, all the things that we talked about, all of his strengths, all of his weaknesses, they don't change, but you have to at least note that this has been a conference that has not had a great transition rate going from college to the NFL, and it should at least give you pause and make you dot every I and cross every T. You would probably want to bring you know, a, a Big 12 wide receiver in for a, a top 30 visit to your, to your organization to run him through everything just to get an extra pair of eyes on him. You just want to be a little bit extra cautious at this point with Big 12 wide receivers. And then last but not least, the the biggest negative that I will say, I am a huge believer, and you've heard me talk about it on numerous occasions, wide receiver, the best of the best, the best wide receivers in the NFL are artists at their position. They are masters of their craft. They are constantly setting up corners. They are constantly finding new ways to win. They are mastering the release game at the line of scrimmage. They are masters of route running. They are widening their route tree at every given moment. They are working on new new ways to just embarrass corners and they take great pride in their artistry at the position. And I don't see that with Quentin Johnston. I see the height, I see the weight, I see the speed, I see the athleticism, that's all great. But you don't see the agility, you don't see the hands, and you don't see the route running. The release game is inconsistent and you just don't see the total package at wide receiver. Now, to be fair, very few are at that point when they're ready to go from college to their first year in the NFL. There's a learning curve there. But we've seen time and time again, these wide receivers, especially from the big 12, the height, weight, speed guys that aren't artists at their position, the bust rate is relatively high at that position with the, with the, that specific skill set. You got the athleticism, you don't have the skills. And that gives me cause for concern and gives me reason to pause on potentially drafting Quentin Johnston with a top pick. I want to go back to my last positive. I find it hard to believe that he can't help any offense in the NFL, all 32. I really, I really do believe that. I think he'd be a top three wide receiver immediately, but just buyer beware, be a little extra cautious. These players haven't always taken that next step at the NFL level. And we have seen some busts with this sort of athletic profile who haven't had the artistry at the position, who specifically played in the big 12. Just 
you got to be a little cautious. So that that's all I'm saying. I'm not saying that he can't be successful. And like, in fact, I think he can be. I like him as a wide receiver, not my favorite prospect, not somebody I would be hoping for early in the draft. But I mean, he's even, even as a worst case scenario, even as a worst case scenario, he's easily a top second round grade, like without question. That that's That's his floor is a top second round guy. But if you're thinking of taking him at 15 overall or higher, just know all of the things we just went over, there are some concerns that you better be 100% sure about, feel 100% confident in, and that he is going to hit more of those positives than the negatives that we just mentioned. As far as from a scheme standpoint, he has good size. So, you know, I think he's going to be able to help out as a blocker. I think he can get better as a blocker. He's not bad, gives decent effort at it, but I think that he's going to fit in that aspect. I think he gives Green Bay a different flavor of wide receiver. I know Watson's tall, fast, etc., but I do think, um, Johnson's a bit more of just like a possession wide receiver that's going to give you just a little bit something different than Watson does and something different than Dobbs does, something different than Toure does. So I think you add a little bit of a different flavor there with Johnston. He can play outside or inside, but primarily outside, which means you can move Dobbs inside, means you can move move Watson inside. You can really move Johnson inside too. So you can move all three of those guys around and use them in a variety of different ways. And I do think that Johnston is a pretty scheme independent player, meaning, like I said, you can put him on all 32 teams and he's going to find a way to be successful. As a ceiling, I think he can be a poor man's AJ Green, a poor man's DeAndre Hopkins. I see some Mike Williams in him, the more the, the Chargers Mike Williams, not the Lions Mike Williams, but I see some of that upside. And I do think there is a world where he hits that upside and he just becomes one of the best wide receivers in the league. I think that's possible. But um, there's also the, the floor too. I see some Kevin White, who was a big 12 wide receiver, West Virginia. It was a bigger freak athlete than, than he was. And he was a huge bust for the Bears. And he still is like, he's still around the league. I think he's been like the Saints practice squad and up and down from time to time. I think he spent, he got a cup of coffee with the 49ers too, if memory serves, but just nowhere near. I think he was a top, what, six pick that year, something somewhere around there, Kevin White was, and just never lived up to that expectation. I see a little bit of that in Quentin Johnston. I see a lot of Stephen Hill, Georgia Tech wide receiver, freak athlete, had to do some projections with Stephen Hill and what he would ultimately become in the NFL. I thought he had a lot of potential, just never came to fruition. Jets wide receiver. You probably don't even remember Stephen Hill, which is exact. He was an early second round pick for the Jets and just nothing ever came of him. I see some of that as well. So I think those comps, the Kevin Whites, the, the Stephen Hills, I think those are legit. And I think those become a little bit scary. I think, like I said, that you could also see some poor man's DeAndre Hopkins or AJ Green in him as well. I don't think he's ever going to reach peak AJ Green or peak DeAndre Hopkins, but you see a, a B version of those players, which is a really, really good football player. Just where you where that ultimately comes out is going to remain to be seen. And like I said, you better be very confident if you're going to spend an early pick on him. What he brings to Green Bay, I think he would give you three outside wide receivers with flexibility to move around. Again, you could put Dobbs, Watson, and um, Johnston all over the field and use them in a variety of different ways. You give Jordan Love another really big target on the outside. You get another playmaker, another deep ball threat. You don't know who you're going deep to. You could go deep to Dobbs. You could go deep to Watson. You could go deep to Johnston. It's going to give you a lot of variety and different ways that you can beat defenses long, which would give Green Bay like some fun flexibility with their wide receiver core. Is the value there at 15? I don't think so. I think that is far too steep. And I think you would either need to move down in round one probably significantly, probably in the late 20s-ish if he's there, or move up in round two, beginning around two, late round one, if you wanted to go get Quentin Johnson for your team. I think 15 is just far too rich, and he probably doesn't get to the Green Bay in the 40s, maybe not impossible, but 
I think it's very unlikely that he gets to Green Bay in the 40s. So probably a move down or a move up, uh, depending on where he ultimately lands and what Green Bay would like to give up to get him. And last but not least, would Green Bay do it? I do think the agility testing and the draft position are the biggest issue. I think they're going to drop him down the board a little bit because of his agility testing. And then, like I said, I think he ultimately probably ends up in the 20s in this draft. And right now, Green Bay is nowhere near the 20s. They'd have to either move down or move up, which makes it a little less likely that they ultimately get him. But as I mentioned at the onset, we just don't know. We don't know ultimately where Green Bay will end up in this draft after moving up, moving down, or staying put. And we don't know where Quentin Johnston will ultimately be valued. So you never quite know, but I don't think it's a perfect fit for Green Bay. I'd be a little bit surprised if he ends up a Green Bay Packer, but if he does, there's reasons to be excited and there's a lot that he can add to Green Bay's football team. That's going to do it for me today. I appreciate you joining me. I'll be right back here tomorrow with another episode and another prospect, but until next time, and as always, go Pack Go.